On the show today, we will be discussing Tim Keller's passing, as well as why we are feeling hopeful this week, and we think you should be as well. Oh, and Ron DeSantis has entered the presidential race. We think we have a good episode for you today, so let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. It's my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hi. And we are very grateful that you're joining us here today. Uh, if you're new here, we always like to get this out up front. Um, we ourselves are religious folks, very Christian folk, mm-hmm. uh, but the world and the country that we live in is not. It's a very secular, very religionless place, you could say. And that, at least in part, is where the name comes from. Uh, we like to get that out because occasionally we'll get comments of, you know, I came across your show and I thought maybe you were this kind of progressive Christian, you know, whatever mm-hmm. happens to be. And boy, was I wrong. So uh, if that's what you think, you are wrong. Uh, we're <laughs> very Christian, probably very conservative folk, but uh, please stick around and mm-hmm. see if this is your cup of tea or not. Even if you disagree, we enjoy the uh, banter in the comments. Um, but what we try to do here is just navigate through the news, take a look at the world around us and figure out, you know, how to digest it all and keep our eyes fixed on Christ through the process. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can do that today as well. Um, We do have some good stories to talk about. We won't make it to the Bible topic today, which we've been going through Mark Jones's book, Knowing Sin, in our Bible topic. I don't think we'll have time for that today. So we'll see what the Lord throws at us next week. But we do have some good stories. We want to get to them. But before we do, is there anything, honey, you'd like to say? prayer requests, anything of that sort? Um, Yeah, just be praying for our family. It seems everyone's starting to get sick or if it's allergies, but our kids have been coughing a lot and they normally don't get coughs. So it concerns me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Please pray for them. Allergies, you know, if that's what it is or they even got me sick, um, which is well, absolutely unacceptable. We all went to the botanical gardens, and they were maybe punished that was it? severely for getting their father sick. But I did press through <laughs> it all. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love my children; would never punish them for such a thing. But please pray for them um, that they would get over, you know, kind of those lingering coughs and runny noses and stuff, itchy eyes. Those are just awful kind of allergies, mm-hmm. and illnesses yeah. to have. Really unenjoyable. So. Please pray for us if you have some spare time. We would very much appreciate it. And keep praying for my uncle. I haven't heard anything new yet um, about his health. Please pray that the Lord would lead him to salvation. Um, he's, if you don't know, he was in prison many, many years. Um, his health is very poor since he's been let out a year ago. And he just kind of doesn't have any hope, doesn't have a lot of support. Um, so, yeah, um, it's just a sad situation. And I want him to have the joy uh, of the Lord, the peace um, and that comes with salvation. Um, I know the Lord is compassionate. Um, you know, he looks at the lowly, those who've been outcasts and they're just alone. And I just feel like... God, please reach out to him. You know, he hasn't had a lot of good in his life. And we want everyone to be saved, of course, but the Lord would have compassion on him and 
and reach him. Yeah, Please and pray. if you have prayed for him, we do appreciate that. Pray that maybe a door would be open to share the gospel and turn a heart. That's the prayer. So um, I don't really have a prayer request. Getting back to work. I've mentioned that the last couple of weeks. Things are going well, progressing as they should. So I guess that's good. Helps me provide for my family. So that's good. Um, but anyways, let's get on with the plug so we can actually get to these news stories. Um, you guys know we are proud members of the Christian podcast community, or you should know if you've been here for some time. If you're new, you wouldn't know that. That's why we're telling you. Uh, but you can go to Christian podcast community anywhere you listen to podcasts um, and just search for Christian podcast community. And the great thing, you subscribe to that feed and you get about 50 to 60 good godly men and women talking about godly things um, in that one feed. So it's a really easy place to get access to a lot of great podcasts. Uh, we've been blessed to be a part of that. We've actually been able to partake a little bit in sort of their theology throwdowns once a month. So those have been enjoyable. Mm -hmm. The topics we discuss, we've certainly liked that. So go search them out. I think, you know, a lot of the shows too on YouTube, so you can search, um, you know, if there's a podcast that you find on the Christian podcast community, maybe go see if they have, you know, a, a YouTube uh, channel as well, if that's more your speed. But either way, I think you'd be blessed by what they have there. And then of course, you guys, uh, again, you've been here for a while, you know, we love Cardinal Contingency Solutions. And we recommend you reach out to them, whether you're um, a business owner, law enforcement, a first responder, or even, you know, a church, a ministry. You know, this world is crazy. You don't know what uh, what city's going to be burned to the ground by some, you know, upset anarchist or whatever tomorrow. And uh, once they're setting your building on fire is the wrong time to figure out, how do I handle my building being set on fire? Or if you're a yeah. missionary in a foreign country, you know, the wrong time to figure out how to handle being rolled up on by some, you know, militia or corrupt law enforcement is when you're being rolled up on by corrupt law enforcement. You can be prepared before you get in those situations and hopefully have a better outcome. And that's what Cardinal does. They're the best in the world at it. So links will be in the show notes. Like always, just send them an email, give them a phone call, see what they can do for you. Again, I think you'd be blessed by it. And then, of course, we must get the shameless plugs out of the way here. Uh, if you guys want to help the channel at all, the easiest way you can do that is simply following, subscribing. If you're on the podcast, leaving us a nice review, it doesn't take a lot of your time, but it certainly helps us out a great deal. Or if you're on YouTube, Rumble, whatever happens to be, subscribe there, drop a like, leave a comment, those sorts of things help. And uh, if you have a few extra uh, dollars laying around in your pocket, or if you're just doing some shopping, you can use our affiliate links down in the show notes, whatever you purchase there, whether it's uh, a book we're talking about, or, uh, you know, socks and underwear for your kid's Christmas present. Use those affiliate links. We get Christmas a, present. that's what every parent gets for their kids at Christmas, right? No. You use those links. We get a small percentage. It helps us out. Um, doesn't really cost you anything other than clicking on the link. So consider using those. We would be blessed for that as well. But all right, we're going to skip the news this week or the, the music, the news music we're going to skip this week because I think we have good news, like we mentioned. That's what we're talking about this week, good news. Um, and there's a lot of good news this week. Uh, there's always bad news, of course, you could get into. But 
we focus on the bad a lot here, so let's focus on the good this week. And um, first up was a news story that really broke last week, but we just didn't have time because we'd already kind of put the episode together when we saw it. Um, but we don't want to miss the chance to discuss Timothy Keller, who passed away last week. So uh, we just want to take some time to address that. Do you want to read this first um, headline here? And we'll just kind of go through these first two stories. Uh, the Gospel Coalition co-founder Tim Keller dies at 72. Yep. With great sadness, we mourn the loss of Timothy Keller, 72, who died on May 19th, more than three years after he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Is that a long time to live after diagnosis, I wonder? Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, as far as how... Uh, dire his pancreatic cancer necessarily was. Um, but then we had this other article here from Christianity Today. If you want to just read that headline. Died. Tim Keller, New York City pastor who modeled winsome witness. Yep. Tim, Tim Keller, a New York City pastor who ministered to young urban professionals and in the process became a leading example for how a winsome Christian witness could win a hearing for the gospel, even in unlikely places. Died on Friday at age 72, three years after being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Keller planted and grew a Reformed Evangelical congregation in Manhattan, launched a church planting network, co-founded the Gospel Coalition, and wrote multiple best-selling books about God, the gospel, and the Christian life. Yep. So, you know, as I said, I want to start with the good news. And uh, Tim Keller's death, in a sense, is good news. Uh, you know, in the world's eyes, death isn't good news. It causes many people to turn away from God, causes them to hate God even, Um and some may see this headline and, you know, hear me say that it's good news and think that it's for some sort of kind of malicious reason, but it is not, uh, you know, for all who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ and all who have endured to the end, um, which I believe Tim Keller did, you know, death is good news. And, you know, Tim Keller no longer has need of faith. Um, it's more good for them. I mean, I know we, we mourn in it. You can't say it's good i mean there's a time to mourn there's a time for rejoicing but right he's rejoicing us, <laughs> for those left behind it's not necessarily good news but for tim keller it is good news um he like i said he doesn't need faith anymore he's seeing the lord face to face yep um, he's crossed the finish line you know you think of second corinthians i have that verse right here if you want to read it second corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 through 8 Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Yeah, you know, so I would say that's good news. Tim Keller is now absent from the body and at home with the Lord. Um, and like you said, I understand it's obviously sad for his family. Um, for those mm -hmm. who love him. But that's how we comfort ourselves. Um, we know he's with the Lord. And it is a reason to rejoice. Nobody's wondering or 
There's no sadness in death when you know that your loved one is with the Lord. You can, you can, in a sense, rejoice that they're rejoicing in the presence of Jesus right now. Yeah, I think you should. And it doesn't mean that you don't mourn right. at the same time. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly a point where your mourning should be mixed with rejoicing. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, he's no longer dealing with the pains of this life. You know, it said three years of pancreatic cancer. Obviously, I mean, we're not as old as he was, but I'm assuming most people, if you ask them if they're in their 70s and 80s, pain is probably just a part of living at that point. Your body's getting older, it's breaking down. So just the pains of life, but then pancreatic cancer, and then you add in all the, you know, even the the strongest Christian has, you know, struggles with doubts at time or fear, or, yeah. you know, depression and all these different things that weigh on you and burden you down. And all of that is gone now, right? And I think for that, that's why we titled this Tim Keller's Dead and It's Good News. Um, it's sad for those he left behind. You know, he has a wife and three sons that he left behind, but he also has the spiritual family. You know, he's planted the church, Redeemer Presbyterian. I think it's a 5,000 member church. So that's his spiritual family as well. I'm sure they're mourning that he's gone. Um, but at the other end of that, I think you can rejoice that again, he's away from this place with all those burdens and pains and you know, he's where we all hope to be someday, you know? So I think that's good news at the end of the day. And, um, you know, if this is just my observation as well, right? I don't know the state of Tim Keller's soul, um, but I don't know of anything personally. I did try to do a little bit of searching just briefly to see if there was anything that, you know, you would consider like outright disqualifying, you know, as far as like personal failings or controversies, you know, a Ravi Zacharias type incidents or whatever. Yeah. I didn't find anything like that. Um, nothing that would kind of set off red flags about his spiritual condition. Uh, he did catch a lot of flack, um, maybe probably more so in uh, these more recent years. And I think he caught flack rightfully, you know, uh, because, you know, he was kind of seen as that kind of big government, big evangelical sort of collaborator there. Um, I know he caught some flack for that. And uh, they wrote in this article here, if you want to read this paragraph, honey, from this Christianity, or as we like to call it, todayschristianity.com, <laughs> uh, do you want to read that paragraph? Because I think it sums up a lot about kind of the recent years of the flack Tim Keller caught. Keller was frequently accused, especially in later years, of cultural accommod accommodation. He rejected culture, war, antagonism, and the own-the-libs approach to evangelism, and people accused him of putting too much emphasis on relevance and watering down or even betraying the truth of Christianity out of a misplaced desire for social acceptance. Yeah, and I would agree. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what comes to my mind, you know, when you think of Tim Keller. You know, we weren't the biggest supporters of Tim Keller or anything. I did read a book by him called Reason for God or A Reason for God, and I appreciated it. I think it helped me in my faith and, you know, to realize that, you know, I think a lot of Christians maybe have to come to that, that believing in God isn't just some fairy tale like an atheist might try to, you know, put on you, but it's actually a reasonable thing to believe in. And Tim Keller helped me with that. So I'm blessed for that as well. But, you know, I would agree from the outside looking in that the way that, or this is kind of the way it appeared that Tim Keller carried himself. 
Um, again, I don't know of any sort of specific beliefs that he had or specific unbeliefs that he had that would put his soul in jeopardy. Uh, if you do know of any, please feel free to leave them in the comments, send us an email. Um, we're happy to listen and discuss those. Um, but you know, he's still in the eyes of people that knew him, the John Pipers who we're big fans of, they seem to be perfectly comfortable with the state of Tim Keller's well, soul. Even if he had sinned, he, as long as he was repentant, we have no reason to think he was in unrepentant sin. You know, just digging up something from the past, no, like for nothing sure. crazy like Ravi Zacharias, of course. But No, but it's like anybody that's a big time Christian name, you know, when he, you know, there's detractors, right? They're going to say he believed, you know, I read one article, you know, he believed in a, a false gospel. He believed in, uh, or he didn't believe in a proper Jesus, all these sorts of things, which I have no understanding of. I don't know if that's true or not. But they say that about everybody. You know, John MacArthur's going to die someday and people are going to come out of the woodwork and tell you why he's probably in hell now instead of heaven. Um, so it's going to happen to everybody. It happened to Tim Keller. I don't know any of that. That's why I say, as I sit here today, I believe he finished the race. He heard, well done, good and faithful servant. I could be wrong, but that's the way I understand it. Um, you know, but I think as far as his beliefs, from the way I saw it, it was more just kind of the social application of his beliefs that people took umbrage with, not so much what he believed, but just the sort of the way that that faith led him to live it out in his life. You know, they took uh, some, they didn't like that too much. So, but again, everyone has detractors. I don't know uh, if you're going to find somebody where everyone just resoundingly goes, yes, you know, Billy Graham, he probably even had detractors too, right? I mean, Everybody does. Jesus had detractors. <laughs> what hope do the rest of us have? Um, but kind of my whole point about all of this is it's um, it's less about Tim Keller, the reason I wanted to talk about this, uh, because we don't know Tim Keller, really. Uh, didn't really spend much time listening to him. Don't know much about him. Read a book by him. His name was in the news a lot. That's about it. Um, but I think this is more of a reminder for all of us, uh, for those in your life, that love God. We should rejoice when they cross the finish line. You know, whether it's at a ripe old age uh, or even if it's earlier than we expect or earlier than we would have wanted. Um, because God has all of our days numbered. You know, before you're even yep. born, God has your days numbered. But, you know, for as long as we're here, if these loved ones that we have sort of remain steadfast in their faith. Um, and again, even if we don't agree with all of sort of the interpretations or applications of that faith. Um, if they remain steadfast, I think we should rejoice. And then we should pray that we would mm -hmm. likewise endure until the end. I think that's kind of the lesson. I think what I see Tim Keller here is, man, you know, I have faithful people in my life that I see enduring. That should give me hope. And if they pass away, I should Praise God that they were in my life and that they finished the race. Um, yeah, I think it's it's not we're not all guaranteed to live to our till we're a hundred years old. You just want to know that when it's your time, when it's someone's time, that they had endured in the faith till the end of their life, if it was short or long. Um, we shouldn't be mad at God for cutting their life short 
as long as they're in the faith, um, there's no reason to be upset. No, and I would say it's probably even a sign of a lack of faith if you're desiring to cling to this life as long as possible. Yeah. So I think if you truly believe in heaven, you truly believe in Jesus Christ, you can't wait to get there. It doesn't mean you're going to go and try to find ways to kill, you know, get yourself killed, but just trying to cling to every, you know, moment and stretch your life as long as you possibly can. I mean, think we did a story maybe last year, somebody who had their heart replaced with a pig's heart. And you're like, that's a dude that fears death. He doesn't know where he's going when he dies. Mm-hmm. For a Christian, you want to live well as long as you know as as you can naturally, but you shouldn't be trying to cling and claw to this life. I would say that's a lack of faith, and I think that's where Tim Keller was. Um, his kids, in one of the articles I read, they said that some of his last words were, "There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest." Mm-hmm. And I think that's that mindset. He knows where he's going. So what's, you know, there's no downside. If I stay here, like Paul said, you know, it's good. You do the work for the kingdom, but I'd rather be in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Um, And I just think that that's a mindset we should all have. Um, We're slaves. Christ is the master. You know, and ultimately it's the master that's important. Jesus is important. And we're only as important as we, you know, love our families, care for them, and point people to Christ. If we're doing those and that's important outside of that, like, you know, if you hit a home run in your softball game, not all that important, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it sounds like Tim Keller understood that, um, at least according to his kids um, who were there with him. So I just wanted to kind of think of, when I look at these news stories from now on, kind of like, why is this important to Christians? I don't want to just talk about stuff, but why is it important to us Christians? Um, And I think it's important to us, this idea of Tim Keller and death being a good thing, because everyone within the sound of our voice is going to lose people that they love. And, you know, that's always difficult. Of course, nobody likes losing their loved ones, uh, but it should not be a cause for our faith to be shaken. You know, if you believe in God, you believe that he's sovereign, that he gives life, he takes life, um, then it shouldn't be a reason for your faith to be shaken. Um, And also, if you have a faithful person in your life that passes away, you should praise God for the time that he gave you with them. Um, Because, Mm -hmm. again, God is the creator of life, and he's the giver of all good gifts. So if you had a faithful person in your life that you learned from, that's a good gift from God that he gave you. And I would say even on a harder note, this pertains to losing a child. Uh, I would say certainly much more difficult than losing somebody in old age. Um, But, you know, God didn't have to give you the child even for a short time that he did if you happen to lose a child. You know, so rather than cursing God for taking the child away from you earlier than you would have wanted, I think the right mindset would be praising God for giving you the child, even if it was for a brief moment. Again, I'm speaking not out of experience. I understand that. So if you're, you don't agree with that, but that's my mindset. Um, you know, we should be praising God for every good gift, whether it's for a brief moment or, you know, maybe you have a parent until you're of old age who's faithful. Uh, it's all given by God. And I think it's all worthy of praise mm-hmm. from a Christian. God so. is sovereign over our lives and over our death, over our salvation all of it, we can have comfort that he's sovereign. Um, 
because there's no comfort thinking that something like death happens outside of God's control. Like that's a scary mindset to be in, um, that God was unaware or something was blocking God from healing somebody. Um, no, we can't block God from doing what God has already decreed. He's already numbered our days. Nothing's going to stop that. So we can praise God. Um, he knows best in his wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways. So even in death, we can praise God and we can trust God. Yeah, I agree. So what should we do about it? Um, <clears throat> that's kind of, you know, reading this story, we read about Tim Keller, you know, what should we do about reading stories like this and death being a good thing? And I think even if you have differing views on Tim Keller, um, again, like I said, this is less about Tim Keller and more about those that God have, God's placed in your life. And I would say what we can do about it is try to emulate the faith that they had. If, mm. this, if it's this enduring faith that lasted them to the end. Um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 13 says, but the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so if they've passed on to eternity, they're in the presence of the King now. I mean, again, what greater reason is there for us to rejoice? Mourn for a time, but don't forget to rejoice. You'll see them again. The race. Yeah. It's not final. Like when you're in Christ, it's really such a short time. So comfort. Comfort one another with those words. <laughs> I know that's a scripture too. Where is it though? <laughs> but we'll yeah. see them again and we'll be, you know, not just rejoicing that we're with them, but gosh, we're going to see Jesus face to face. Um, I just wonder if we get to heaven, you know, we're going to want to see the person we lost, but we're going to want to see our Savior. <laughs> I know they're going to be in heaven and be like, hey, Tim, your, you know, your kids are here. And he's going to be like, yeah, but that's Jesus. Like, I'm not leaving. Like they can come find me here. You know, maybe that's not the case. But um, I saw a post from who was I think Justin Peters or something, and it was like, when I get to heaven, the first the first person I want to see is like fill in the blank. And he was like, if your first answer to that isn't Jesus, you probably won't be going to heaven anyways. <laughs> and like, maybe that's a bit harsh, but I think that's the right mindset. Well, I guess when I get to heaven, I want to see Samuel Adams. Why? <laughs> but don't we want it to be like you want to see? Jesus. You want to see the person that you love the most, that you know the most, and we want to get to the point that we know Jesus, His love for us, more than we know that person we lost and went to heaven ahead of us. Um, we want to love and know Jesus and be more excited about seeing him than the person, you know, that went ahead of us. Uh, we want to come to that place where we're, that love is at least equal or more. Uh, that desire to see the person. Should be. Yeah. When you really think about it, it's like, why do I long to see a person, um, you know, maybe a childhood friend or whoever it is in your life. Um, I mean, it'd probably be your own child if you lost a child, but yeah, to get to that place where Jesus is the one you want to see first. Yeah, that's a good thing to think about. Now, of course, the second person mm. I'll be searching out desperately is my dear wife, Nikki. <laughs> I'll see Jesus and then go search for Nikki. She should be there before me or I'm there before her. Either way, <laughs> of course, I'll search her out. Then we can just hang out and meet everybody else. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thinking on Tim Keller's life, though, you know, the verse that came to my mind when I was thinking about this idea <clears throat> of Tim Keller passing and sort of not needing the faith anymore because he sees Christ face to face was First um, Peter chapter 1. And I pulled verse 3 through 9 here, honey, if you want to read these. That's a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Yeah, you know, because like that story said, Tim Keller, you know, he suffered and ultimately, I don't know if he died necessarily of pancreatic cancer or died with pancreatic cancer, but it just made me think of that verse six and seven in there. You know, it says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, you know, he did suffer with various trials, um, mm. but his faith, at least from the outside looking in, proved to be true. Um, and, you know, what greater testimony is there about our faith in God that even through trials, you know, the sicknesses and difficulties, the loss of loved ones, as we've talked about, you know, through all those different trials, uh, we glorify God through that. Yeah, maybe like in old age, dealing with sickness and your body just being weak, that is a test of your faith. Um, I know everybody wants to be in like great health up until the very end. I mean, even my grandpa, well, he was 89 when he passed. He did have really good health up until the last couple years. He was still going out dancing and like he dealt with things like asthma and I'm sure he had, you know, aches and pains here and there, but um he got closer to God through all his pain knowing that his time was getting short, you know, he his last couple years he wasn't going out dancing anymore and um and his sister who's still living would call him every single day or he would call her and they would pray together on the phone at least every day for a year or two years. Um, his faith got stronger. And so uh, our trials are a blessing when, I mean, our faith is proved true. Um, it is to the glory of God. Um, we do glorify him when we realize he's testing us. Um, but we see that it draws us closer to him and we wouldn't have it any other way. If we know we'll be closer to Christ through the trial, we will pick the trial 
if that's necessary, if that's the way. Yeah. Again, if your faith is true, I think you you wouldn't yeah. turn down the trial if it brought you closer. So yeah. that would be our advice, you know, <clears throat> how could we pray about a situation like this? And I would say, pray that God would sustain your faith, mm-hmm. you know, through whatever difficult circumstances you're going through, you know, your trials are different than my trials, you know, but uh, whatever those difficulties and trials are, pray that your faith would endure um, like Peter says there at the end, so that you will obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul, because mm-hmm. um, that's ultimately the only thing that matters, you know, at the end of the day is obtaining that outcome, that our souls are saved. Um, nothing else is going to really matter. So do you have any final thoughts here on just Tim Keller, the idea of rejoicing even in the sadness of death, anything of that sort? No. It just sounds fun to just talk about it, though. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's not a normal mindset to have. Yeah. You know, and it's not a mindset the world wants you to have. They want you to be, you know, upset. You know, all these people, right? Every time somebody's killed by the cops or killed by the... And it's rioting, they're angry, they're, you know, violent. I mean, we as Christians should not be that way. I mean, obviously, we shouldn't be that way, but we should be grateful for the time that we've had with people. We should be grateful for the, um, for the, I can't think of the word that I'm thinking of, the example of their faith in our life, all those sorts of things we should be grateful over um, and really set ourselves apart from the world. We should look different from the world. And if we have a hope of eternity. We understand they're not dead. You know, they're just They've actually just started living. They're more alive than we are. Yeah. <laughs> the United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. So um, kind of keeping with the theme of the good news, uh, we want to kind of keep that rolling here. And we want to talk about the L.A. Dodgers and Target. Um, so kind of a big switch there from Tim Keller, but, uh, we just want to touch on these two stories that were in the news briefly. I'm sure you guys, if you're plugged in at all, you've probably heard about them, but do you want to read this first headline here from NBC news? Live, laugh, love. Nope. Just kidding. It says live, <laughs> laugh, lesbian targets, cheeky pride collection strikes again. Yep. Ay, ay, ay. Um, as queer Americans face a historic onslaught of anti-LGBTQ legislation, a normalizing of homophobic and transphobic rhetoric from right-wing politicians, and a surge of violent attacks, Target's standout message for Pride Month is simple. Live, laugh, lesbian. <laughs> yeah, a simple message. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. This whole thing that Target does, I mean, a lot of stores do it too, but Target is like the worst about it. It's, I just remember last year walking in with all four of the kids and immediately walking right back out the door. It's just in your face. And then the kids are like, what does that mean? Like on the shirts, whatever it is. And then it's like, really, I don't want to walk into Target with the kids and have to have the, a really inappropriate conversation with them. <laughs> um, yeah, we just left. I don't know if I've been to Target since then. But um, I was just thinking how like many LGBTQ people feel accepted 
in places that sell merchandise that shows it seems to show support of that left of that lifestyle and that doesn't necessarily mean acceptance that just means they are wanting their money and you know they see them as a source for profit they don't necessarily care um care about them at all or even not even agree or care about their lifestyle at all they'll i don't know the the lgbtq customers um they just they just want to they're just they know that they're going to buy all that merchandise because they so desperately want to parade it outwardly as much as possible like they know they're going to sell out with it because they're yeah. so outwardly they got to show it anyway they love to wear and show support i mean even anybody they just want to be known as that as a supporter of it too. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think it's probably even stronger amongst that group. You wouldn't have, you know, sort of pride be the label of your movement if you weren't proud and wanting to show it off. I just wonder how much their you know? sales go up. Maybe there probably is. There well, probably is a graph. How much their sales go up in June? I think there is a graph. I think oh, I I'm saw just, one. I mean, obviously, you know, because of that multi. merchandise, their sales go up that much. Is it like more than Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, you know, they obviously make money. I mean, they're a multi-billion dollar company. They probably have determined this is a good course of business for them. Yeah. I would say maybe even Target. I think maybe they're far more um, in line with this movement. But you do see this with companies like Bud Light, you know, who really seem to just try to like, grasp at the lgbtq straws for some dollars because that's not their demographic but maybe right. they thought, and they really I mean, they've been taking it on the chin for some time now losing a lot of money whereas i don't know if target because this was really more just their lane um but either way yeah i do think it makes sense for them financially because they're pitched and they're marketed towards this group of people who have chosen the word pride to be like the the label that they wear openly. I mean, they're not. They want you to know about it. Um, they very clearly want you to know about it. So, um, but just going back to what this article says here, it's all nonsense. Mm -hmm. You know, normalizing of homophobic and transphobic uh, transphobic rhetoric, surge of violent attacks, all this sort of stuff. It's nonsense. Uh, this is just sort of that mainstream media, that liberal left. What was the violent attack they're referring to? Somebody probably tweeted something they didn't like, and it was violent and offensive. I don't know. They make up these claims all the time that there's some wave of violence falling over the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, what, there was the Pulse nightclub shooting a decade ago? Um, but either way, it's nonsense, right? Because the media, the liberal left, they're liars. The truth is not in them. We talk about this all the time. But this is that idea of narrative building. You know, it's NBC should be a news organization, but this isn't news, it's narrative building. Um, you know, this is this oppressed minority group that we need to care for and cater to. Um, but that also brings us to the LA Dodgers. We want to include them in our good news stories this week as well, which might seem odd. Um, but do you want to read this headline? 
After widespread criticism, Dodgers reinvite Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to Pride Night. Yes, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I didn't know who they were. They look really creepy. Well, that's because they are creepy. Do you want to just read these couple paragraphs? Okay. After significant pushback from the LGBTQ, sorry, that really is a tongue twister sometimes. <laughs> After significant pushback from the LGBTQ community, they were purporting to honor uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have reinvited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to the team's Pride Night celebration June 16th. In a statement released Monday, the Dodgers offered an apology to the sisters, saying that in the weeks ahead, we will continue to work with our LGBTQ plus partners to better educate ourselves, find ways to strengthen the ties that bind and use our platform to support all of our fans who make up the diversity of the Dodgers family. Those ties were threatened when the Dodgers kowtowing, kowtow, how do you say Kowtowing. <laughs> I even asked him how to, how do you say that? Kowtowing to conservative influences outside their community, such as Florida Senator Marco Rubio and the Catholic League President and CEO Bill Donahue uh, removed the sisters from their pride festivities and rescinded a community hero uh, award on May 17th. Yeah, so it's kind of funny reading through that. I like how it's kowtowing to the conservatives when they didn't want them there, but it's working with our LGBTQ plus partners when they're reinvited. You know, so uh, kowtowing to one side, being welcoming and you know supportive of the other side. It's a nice little spin mm -hmm. on words there, but it does make you think because this sisters or sisters of perpetual indulgence, they're like a. Christian hate group, essentially. I mean, if you saw some of the videos of what they were doing, I did not really defaming Jesus. So it's not like they're just <sighs> an LGBTQ plus group. They're a essentially a Christian hate group. Their whole oh goal is to defame Christianity and makes you think, right? Like, would the Dodgers be so bold and brazen to bring a group that defaced Muhammad and mocked and ridiculed the Islamic religion? You think they'd be that brave? Of no. course they wouldn't, right? <laughs> um, but that's what this group is, you know, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They exist to just mock Christianity, which the Dodgers felt perfectly comfortable so doing. What do we do? What's what's our response to that? Are we just supposed to not say anything, turn the other cheek, or like what's the Christian response? Is it like does God want us to speak against that? Or just let God deal with deal with them. Well, no, I mean, <clears throat> certainly speak out, make your voice known. I mean, it would have been awesome if Dodgers players and stuff, supposedly there's Christians on the team. True. Would yeah. have been like, we're not playing for this, you know. And yeah. But again, the Dodgers might be a different situation. They're in, I mean, Satan's throne room in Los Angeles, right? Like, does it get more satanic? In that place, it's so, just a pride festival. I guess what's the event? What's the event all about? Their pride night. They do these in a lot of sports. You know, it's. June I guess 16. I don't know a lot about sports, so I didn't know they did this. <laughs> well, and they've done this with other sports organizations, not to this extreme, 
Okay. But they make them wear the pride flag colors on their uniforms. And oh, yeah. There's even been controversies where some players have been like, we're not doing that, you know, and they refuse to come out, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah we're going to kind of get into what Christians should do about this, at least in our opinion, and how we should view these sort of instances. But, um, you know, just kind of the same thing we wanted to point out, because it's always worth pointing out here. This, again, is also narrative building. Um, the same way as the Target article was, right? Um, they're kowtowing to conservatives, but they're building support with their... It's narrative building. It's not news. Um, so first yeah. and foremost, anytime you hear the news, read the news, you have to understand you're being lied to on a continual basis uh, from the news and the political class. That's always got to control be. your way of thinking, your view. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somehow when conservatives or Christians decided... We don't want this Christian hate group to go and mock our Lord and Savior in broad daylight. Ah, they're being, you know, overbearing, pushy, trying to shove their religion down our throat. But then when the Dodgers decide to let this Christian hate group come, they're inviting and they're trying to build, you know, a relationship with their diverse base. This stuff is all narrative building nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's lies. So, um, but like we said, today's about good news. So why would we bring up these stories, right? How is Target and the Dodgers good news? Um, and I think it's good news because clarity is always positive. Getting clarity of a situation is always positive. Um, clarity in the form of realizing, again, like we talked about, your news and your political class will lie to you and propagandize you on an endless loop. That's a good thing to know going into whatever news you're digesting. Um, so that in and of itself is a positive. Um, but clarity, I think, with regard to these stories, clarity about the world in which we live in is also good news. And that's why these are positive. Um, you know, we discussed a survey last week that confirmed that this nation is about 5 to 6% Christian. You know, 5 to 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Therefore, you can safely say about 5 to 6% of Americans in this nation are truly Christian. Um, because again, you're not Christian if you don't have a biblical worldview. So the clarity that this is not the 65% Christian nation that we always hear about is very helpful. I think it's good to understand that, you know, could, what we see from target, what we see from the LA Dodgers, you know, I think that's kind of becoming this nation's new religion, this sort of religion of self-worship, secular humanism, is kind of the new na uh, nation's religion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I pulled up this definition here from Psychology Today or their discussion on secular humanism. It says, Secular humanism begins with denial or doubt concerning the existence of anything supernatural, including God, but then goes well beyond that secular stance by positively affirming and valuing the potential of human beings to be kind enact justice, solve problems, and make the world a better, safer, greener, and more humane place. Secular humanism rests firmly upon the recognition that humanity's ability to be cruel, selfish, deceitful, and violent is far outweighed by our more pervasive and dominant capacities to be humane, altruistic, cooperative, sensible, fair, and peaceful. And then uh, I got Webster's Dictionary, and it says of you know humanism, or secular humanism, they say, 
It's viewed especially as relying on reason, logic, and naturalism as opposed to religious dogma and supernaturalism. And uh, I just think that's comical. Uh, I think it's funny because these people who claim that they're relying on reason and logic as opposed to these religious dogmas, right? in the last few decades have dragged this nation into a place filled with hatred, malice, violence. We see breaking out all over the place. So they've led us away from religion. And of course, most notably Christianity, um, which teaches that humans are inherently sinful and wicked and therefore need to be restrained first by their faith in a higher power, but then also by a government that sort of exists to protect us from our sinful, um, human tendencies, if you will. So, and while that was the prevailing worldview, you know, this nation was led into a place of increasing peace and prosperity over the centuries. Yeah, and it is a religion for them. And then they expect you to live up to their, their form of righteousness and love. And when you don't, instead of showing mercy, they judge you and they hate you and throw stones at you and defame you and just... It's so twisted. Right. I mean, they love to preach tolerance, right? But they have zero tolerance. Right. Um, You know, they're as dogmatic religiously as anybody under the sun. Everybody Uh, is religious. Yeah. So, you know, even the people that claim, you know, they're Satanists. You know, if you talk to anybody that's a Satanist, they're like, we don't worship Satan. It's basically a religion of self-idolatry is all it really is. So that's becoming our nation's religion. Well, you're just following Satan. He had idolatry for himself. He put himself above above God. Right. There's only two religions in the world. You're following Satan when you <laughs> you're do either that. worshiping God or you're worshiping Satan. Yes. It doesn't really make a difference. But you know, it is interesting, right? Looking at this idea of, you know, what they say here is that humans far outweigh with their humane, cooperative, and all this sort of, you know, blissful talk of what humans truly are. But as they've removed our belief in a higher power, you know, that restrains us. I mean, that was the idea of the founders. And that's why they said that this nation and this republic needed to be a moral people because we're naturally, if we're faithful and we have, you know, faith in God, we're naturally restrained Mm -hmm. by God. So government doesn't need to fully restrain us because we're naturally restrained. Um, But so as they've removed our religion from us, uh, that restrains us naturally. And they've even begun to sort of remove governmental control over our actions. You know, we've seen us, we've backslidden, um, prosperity slipping away now, peace and goodwill towards others is falling away. That's Mm. gone by the wayside. You know, but somehow these people who rely on reason and logic, we're told, can't seem to make the connection just bewildering, right? Um, we're told that the religious folks, they're, oh, they're believing in fairies and fairy tales and they're clinging to their God, you know, because whatever. But aren't, aren't there people in the LGBTQ community that think they're fairies? Isn't that a thing? They are fairies because it's their truth, honey. So why would they? Sure, they're either a guy or a girl dressed like a fairy. Well, that's what I mean. They start believing that they're animals and crazy things. So like, well, you can't say that we, you can't mock that religion and say, oh, your God's just a fairy fairy tale. Like, 
because when you make up your own truth willy-nilly, day by day it changes, then you can just say whatever you want, and none of it has to be true, but people just accept it. That's the beauty of secular humanism. You can just say whatever you want and force people to accept it. Uh, so it's actually quite unreasonable and quite illogical, their belief system, to think that it's going to somehow turn the society into a more loving, just, and peaceful place to live. Uh, the proof is in the pudding, and it's not that. <laughs> so just kind of funny little tidbit there. But anyways, it's still good news. That's the point that we're getting to. Because we live in a secular humanist nation. Christianity, if you will, is a minority religion in this nation. Um, and once you realize that, once you come to grips with that, which is a tough thing to come to grips with, then you can be happy when we see small victories. You know, so we discussed again Target, you know, their satanic pride collection. But what we also saw with that, as word of that came out, was backlash that caused them to reconsider that stance. Um, do you want to read this headline? Target removes LGBTQ Pride Month merchandise after threats. And then read these first couple paragraphs. Target is pulling some LGBTQ merchandise from stores that it rolled out for Pride Month after confrontations with customers. Since introducing this year's collection, we've experienced threats impacting our team members' sense of safety and well-being while at work. Target said in a statement to USA Today, Given these volatile circumstances, we are making adjustments to our plans, including removing items that have been at the center of the most significant confrontational behavior. Items that have drawn negative attention include tuck-friendly women's swimsuits that allow trans women who have not had gender-affirming operations to conceal male genitals. Target did not say which items it was removing. Okay, so they even have these bathing suits for kids, though. They did, and I like That's... having these paragraphs in here just so Nikki can read about tuck-friendly women's <laughs> swimsuits. Um, and again, think about these statements. These are supposedly the intellectuals, the elites among us, these Target CEOs and execs that are like, well, people are just pushing back on our tuck-friendly women's swimsuits, which again, their reason and their logic can't help them come to a conclusion that women wouldn't need to tuck anything because they're women, um, <laughs> right? And then women who have not had gender-affirming care, you mean men? Yeah. Right? Like, it's nah, so but their confusing. reason and their logic can't get Reading there, it is so weird. Like, saying that out loud, I'm like, no, I'm saying it wrong. Just, But again... And we should point out, as we always want to point out, like this idea of these threats and safety concerns, they're nonsense, right? This is spin. It's propaganda as it is always. So the um, safety of their employees, but nobody cares about the safety of the children that they're targeting. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, right. Because yeah, they, they don't care about people. Um, I mean, that's the name of their store, Target. They target certain people. They're targeting innocent youth for lifestyles sunk in sexual immorality that lead them to hell. Um, they're doing their father's bidding. Uh, but what we're seeing here, again, the violence, all that stuff, nonsense, right? Um, what they're seeing and why they're pulling this stuff off the shelves is what happened and is what's, or what is still happening to Bud Light. You know, it's an actual effective boycott with 
or from people that actually have a sense of morality. Mm -hmm. What you could say is probably a real belief in reality, uh, which is a beautiful thing to see. So this is a small win. And uh, I think that should encourage us. Here's another small win. Do you want to read this headline? Um, Indiana Republicans successfully get pervert founded sex institute defunded. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb Holcomb signed a two-year budget bill on May 4th, while the Republican-passed and ratified House Bill 1001 featured accelerated tax cuts and a robust private school voucher program. It served also to spare the taxpayers in the state from paying into a sex institute founded by a notorious pervert esteemed by liberals for his distortion of Americans' perception of sex and normalcy. Among the many things HB 1001 does is require that state appropriations cannot be used to pay for the administration operation or programs of the Kinsey Institute for Research in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. You know, Alfred Kinsey is one of the nation's foremost perverts. Is that like a year ago when we talked about that? It's been a while. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what article, because we did talk about Indiana's hosting or, you know, it's so being home icky. to this sex research institute with Alfred Kinsey's name on it. Like the, this is the guy who was trying to do research into like orgasms and children as young as like two months old, like super perverted, creepy dude. Um, but yeah, so they're defunding this place for Alfred Kinsey. Um, for whatever reason, he was decided to be given a place of honor at Indiana university. Uh, I don't know, but this is good news. Um, because it's at least being hindered now. I think they say in this article, it's like $400 million that they were receiving, uh, which is a lot of money, uh, that they yeah. won't be receiving anymore. So hopefully that'll hinder this you know, perverse sex institute from kind of putting their propaganda and all of this crap out into the mainstream news media. Hopefully it hinders that somewhat. That's a positive. I think that's... Um, that's something we should take as a small win. Here's another one. Do you want to read this headline? Nebraska Governor Jim Pillen signs bill to save babies from abortion. Here's another one. Do you want to read this headline? North Carolina bans abortion at 12 weeks, overriding Democratic governor's veto. Yeah, those are good news. That's yeah. positive news that we're seeing. So Nebraska, North Carolina... Uh, I just saw another state, South Carolina, I believe, just passed an abortion ban. So that's three states passing abortion bans this month. Um, you know, both of those states banning it after 12 weeks, which, you know, a lot of us, we would want outright bans. But you understand the nature of politics. You know, you shoot for the stars and you you might hit the moon, right? He's so going in, in, the, in a positive direction. We're going in the positive direction. Um, so that is wonderful news here. Uh, now, it's certainly, again, because we live in a fallen world and a nation that is turning its back on God, it seems, in a lot of ways. Um, there's Minnesota on the other end of the uh, the aisle there. <laughs> and uh, Do you want to read this headline from the 
I don't know, fighting to be the most cursed state in the union, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota legislator passes bill allowing infanticide. I can't say that. Infanticide. Infanticide. Uh, revoking care for babies who survive abortion. Yeah, maybe one of the more wicked headlines you'll read um, this year. But so while you have states like Nebraska, North Carolina, South Carolina that are fighting to defend the lives of children, Minnesota here is ensuring that when they try to kill kids, they really stay dead. Man. Good job, Minnesota. Um, but, you know, as a secular humanist nation, uh, we're sort of quickly losing our sense of value for human life. Uh, you know, but again, even amongst that, we should take wins. Like we can't forget that Roe versus Wade was just overturned. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy when you read headlines like Minnesota to be like, or, you know, Michigan, New Mexico, where we are, Michigan's where we're from. And you see what those wicked states are doing, you know, basically having some of the most liberal abortion laws in the world. And you're like, what is happening here? You know, you can't forget that Roe versus Wade was overturned. That was a huge win. It was great news. We can't forget that. Um, and then we are now starting to see pockets of rational people fighting back. That's good news. And it made me think like, if we read these stories and we considered if this news was coming from a place like China or North Korea, and we heard of wins for life like this, you know, we heard of people maybe like pushing back against the Chinese Communist Party, getting some sort of concessions from that government, we'd all rejoice. We'd be like, yeah, man, look at these people, you know, Christians standing up, getting small wins and stuff like that. We would rejoice. Well, we're becoming one of the more wicked places on planet Earth. So when we see wins like this, we should rejoice just the same. Um, I mean, we're led by people that hate God in a lot yeah. of respect or respects in a lot of states. So when we start seeing people standing up and fighting and defending, we should rejoice. Um Because that's, and that's my big point with these news stories, you know, once you sort of realize that we're no longer a Christian nation, if you ever considered us to be a Christian nation, I know that's all the rage and all the discussion nowadays, um, but whatever, wherever you stand on that, um, we're, whatever we once were, we are not that anymore. Um, we are a very secular nation. We're very pagan in a lot of respects. Um, So these wins, when you look at it from that lens, they're not necessarily small or insignificant. They're a cause for great joy when we get these small wins um, because babies' lives are being saved now and um, being spared. And we see these different things. We see people actually making a stand for reality, for morality against places like Target, Bud Light pushing back on sort of the stuff that we've kind of allowed to grow and fester in this nation because, you know, Christians and religious people are typically go along to get along kind of people, which is probably something we should address that we shouldn't necessarily just be go along to get along people, but we are. So we just allow things to fester and grow and grow till it gets to the point where Target puts out tuck-friendly bathing suits for your young children and you're like, what world am I living in right now? Um, this but has gone too far. Parents who buy that for their kid, though, like, 
you got to really like be more angry at the parent than at Target. Like, who's buying those for their kid? Right, because in a sane world, you would sell those bathing suits. But as soon as someone bought them, a cop would arrest them. Right. <laughs> and put their kid in a home that loved them. Um, that might be the better solution, right? Set up a little bit of entrapment there. Um, but yeah, Target, right? Maybe they're just, you know, soulless, corporate, you know, I don't well, know. They care about money and greed and all that. I heard the designer of those bathing suits is a Satanist. Well, obviously he's a Satanist. I know. I mean, I don't. Holly I, was like, our daughter was like, what else would he, would he be? Like, There's no other option. Well, like a self-professed one, you know. You're only worshiping two things in this world. It's either God or Satan. You can dress up Satan however you want. False religion, worshiping yourself, <laughs> atheism. Secular humanism, you're worshiping Satan at the end of the day. So at least he's forthright enough to come out and say, I'm a Satan worshiper. Kudos, I guess. You're an idiot. Um, but so, again, like we did with Tim Keller, what should we do about it? Um, I would say first we should celebrate the small victories and be encouraged by them. You know, we should allow this to encourage us to sort of use our civic responsibilities, our freedoms to yeah. affect society for the better. Um, and this is what I used to sort of consider Christian nationalism when that term first started to break out, um, you know, up until people had to slap definitions and statements on it. This is what I kind of figured it was, using your civic responsibilities to affect society, enforcing your Christian morals, because everybody in society benefits from a Christian nation, yeah. a nation that relies on Christian morals and virtues. Even people who hate God benefit from that society uh, because no. we have evidence of what society looks like when you don't have Christian morals and virtues. You have Minnesota who hates children to the point that they'll allow you to board them. And if that little rascal somehow survives, they're going to make sure he dies anyways. That's what a society that's turned its back on God, Christian morals and virtues looks like. L.A., Chicago, I mean, all these places, I mean, they're all violent, these, they're dangerous. All these anti-God people who judge the Bible, they're like, God wiped out, you know, thousands of people, those, all that war, but it's like, look what you support. Yes, and we pray that he would do it again. <laughs> I mean, if we're not a nation that needs judgment. Well, our God is a judge. Earned judgment. He's merciful. We should pray for mercy. Of course, we should pray for mercy. Um, but if a little bit of judgment comes along with it, so be it. I will sleep easily. But so boycott Target. Boycott Bud Light. We should do that as well. Um, you know, the worldviews have never been more clearly seen. And I think that's the idea of clarity being a good thing. You have nowhere to hide. In our world today, there is no burying your head in the sand anymore and pretending like you don't know what's going on. The worldviews are clearly uh, seen, they're exposed, and you can clearly see that if you have a faith in God, you are at odds, you are butting heads, 180 degrees opposite of the worldview that places like Target, the entire <laughs> city of LA, all these sorts of places 
operate in. They operate in a a worldview that hates God, rejects God outright. Um, They're really, I mean, they're trying to establish this worldview as well. Um, That's clearly seen. So boycott them. That's something you should do. Uh, You should not be giving your money to these places. Now, I get that that's not 100% feasible in every instance, but where it is feasible, um, you know, Christians shouldn't be heavy drinkers anyways, and I've never met somebody that drinks Bud Light for the flavor. Usually you're buying Bud Light by the cases, right? Uh, So if you want a beer to drink, there's other beer to drink. Um, You don't need Bud Light. You know, there's nothing that Target does specifically better that you can't find somewhere else. Um, So boycott them, find businesses that support you, um, like, shameless plug, christianbooks.com. You can go find them. You don't need to shop at places like Amazon. Um, You can buy your books from a a bookstore that doesn't want to take your money and help women abort their children with it. So those places exist. You just have to look for them. Um, You can also vote for people that understand the preciousness of life. Um, You could have politicians and you yourself can protest these sort of satanic strongholds like the Kinsey Institute or the Planned Parenthoods of the world. Um, We're a minority in this nation, but we still have power to affect change. And we see that. And that's a positive. Um, And... We should look at it as a positive and really a reason to do it is for everybody's benefit, not just our own. Now, certainly we want to live in a Christian nation that values life, but people that don't even understand that reap the benefits of it. So even don't want to be restricted in their sinfulness. Being a Christian isn't, they say it's unloving, but no, it's too restrictive. Their lifestyle. But really... The Ten Commandments are freedom because you're never free. So you're either going to be a slave to every false idol, every God, every sin, or you're going to be a slave to God. Um, So if you're going to be a slave to either everything or one thing, (laughs) the one thing is the freest path. Um, And there is freedom in Christ. There's no freedom in sin. You know, ask the, what was that? I mean, how many polls have we looked at where it's, you know, people into their 70s and 80s are still looking at pornography every day. Boy, how free do you feel from the sin of sexual immorality and lust still gripping you into your old age? But so even the people who lack the reason and logic uh, to understand they're even benefiting from a Christian nation, Christian morals and virtues. So that's what we should be doing. Try to affect that as much as possible. And how should we pray about it? Um, I would say first, We should pray that we shouldn't be discouraged by what we see and hear on the news. Again, most of it's fake anyways. Um, But we should also pray that we have the boldness to speak out against the wickedness and the evil that we see all around us. You know, if you happen to wind up working at a company like Target or the next company that decides to go all in on pride, pray that you'd have the courage and faith in God to say, I'm not doing this. I'm not supporting this. Um, I'm going to stand against it or at least speak out and make my peace known. Um, and then lastly, just pray that your faith wouldn't be diminished. I think first is that's probably the most important prayer. Um, uh, cause even when it looks like we're losing ground or that evil is winning in this nation, uh, even if it does, you know, just pray that your faith would stand firm. Um, you 
trust in God's eternal truth. You wouldn't be beaten down or broken by sort of the devastation that's around us. Um, yeah. Open the word, read that this is the nature of human uh, history for all time and don't be shaken by it. But uh, yeah, don't be afraid to get active. Make your voice heard. Be bold. Uh, I mean, they are. I mean, they've named their month Pride <laughs> for the love of Pete. Uh, <laughs> you can be just as proud uh, because you're actually standing in the truth. So don't be bashful about that. Speak it loud and proud. <laughs> now, uh, do you have any final thoughts there on tar Target tuck-friendly kids' bathing suits? No. No? All right. We do want to end here um, with... The, uh, the big announcement from this last week kind of grabbed a lot of the headlines, and that was uh, Florida Governor Ron. It's actually DeSantis, I think. If you listen to his ad, he says Ron DeSantis, not DeSantis. We've been saying it wrong all this time. Forgive us, Ron. But he officially launched his, uh, launched his bid for presidency on Twitter this week, which is pretty unique, right? Uh, talk about times a-changing, right? Tucker Carlson leaves mainstream media for Twitter, and uh, Ron DeSantis decides to forego all the traditional channels and just go straight to the people, launches presidency on Twitter. So that's big news. Um, it means we now have two candidates in the Democrat Party running for president, Joe Biden and Robert Kennedy Jr. And we now have two candidates running in the Republican Party, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. And I know, wow. I know you guys are probably out there saying, what do you mean, right? There's way more than two running. What about Nick Hayton or, you know, Nikki Haley or there's Tim Scott's in the race now. Vivek Ramaswamy, he announced for presidency. I would just say, as far as I'm concerned, um, everyone on the Republican ticket not named Ron DeSantis is running to be Donald Trump's vice president. Uh, maybe except for Mike Pence. I don't know what he's doing. Why are you doing this, Mike? Um, he's completely irrelevant in this race, other than maybe he's just trying to spare his legacy and distancing himself from Donald Trump or whatever. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, somebody let us know what in the heck Mike Pence is doing. But it's really, it's Donald Trump and Ron, Ron DeSantis. Uh, that's why all these people, they only go out and smear Ron DeSantis. Like, you would assume he was the front runner. But it's, I would say it's because they're all vying to be Donald Trump's vice president. You know, Nikki Haley's out there. I'm the, uh, she's the ethnic female so somehow you can get the ethnic female vote with Nikki Haley and Tim Scott's the conservative black guy. So if you want to get, apparently black people will vote for a black guy to them. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is basically Donald Trump trying to be Donald. So we're going to have Donald Trump and Donald Trump on the ticket. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything against any of them. I like a lot of the things Vivek happens to say. Um, and we'll probably do more of a deep dive on like the or presidential races and stuff like that. We'll do a more in-depth discussion later. Um, but for now, the only thing I wanted to say on this is I think it's disheartening and I think it's disingenuous to see a lot of these sort of talking heads, uh, mostly on the Republican side of the aisle, 
kind of lining up to attack Ron DeSantis. Uh, because there's no way you can look at Ron DeSantis and what he was able to accomplish in Florida in just four years and really, like, honestly and authentically dismiss or discredit the man. Mm-hmm. Like, you may ultimately like Donald Trump more, uh, but trying to smear Ron DeSantis just to promote Donald Trump, yeah. I think it's shameful, in our opinion. Uh, we get why the left would attack him. It makes sense they would. He's been basically beating their brains out in Florida for the last four years. So they probably hate the guy. But conservatives, we should really feel blessed that we have what I would consider two really good options for president in 2024. Right. You know, either one of them that wins, we'd be happy uh, happy with. And truth be told, as we sit here today, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily speak for Nikki, but we're both Ron DeSantis fans. Um that's who I hope wins the presidency. But um, I will end with questions to you. Do you have any opinions on who you want to be president as of today? I mean, it just seems like Ron DeSantis over Trump. I mean, he probably won't say anything, um, you know, foolishly. Probably isn't going to get all, you know, worked up like Trump did. Maybe be more cool headed. Um well, that could be a negative for a lot of people. A lot of people like the hot head of Trump, you know, and I think a lot of that is why people like Trump. And I think, and this isn't everybody, and this is the only the reason. the left really riled up. Like it causes more chaos and drama. And But I think that's why they like it. I think a lot of people on the Republican side hate the left as much as the left hates the right. So they don't so much want to just govern effectively. They want someone to go and you know, beat up the left or, you know, do what they think they're doing to us. So I think a lot of it and not all of it, not everybody, I'm just kind of saying they like the idea of Trump being sort of a hammer to go and bash him over the head with. So I think Ron Ron DeSantis being cooler headed. I don't know. That might not even play as well as someone just being like, "Ah, go out there and just. You do want him to say what is on everyone's mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we even like that as well. I mean, it's. It's refreshing. Maybe it's maybe it shouldn't be. Pray for us when we feel uh, um, happy to hear him call out the fake news and stuff like that. But yeah, so I guess you. But he is a Christian, right, Ron DeSantis? Uh, he's a Catholic, he? but I don't know to what degree his Catholic oh. faith is. You know, with Catholics, oh. I think for us it's always a little bit iffy. You know, not to say that there aren't Catholics that are saved and love the Lord, um, but we don't really know. But I think his actions speak pretty loudly for him um, as far as what we can see from the outside looking in um, seems like a morally virtuous man um, but yeah we we like Ron DeSantis I will ask would you vote for Nikki Haley because she's a woman does that stir Is you she up qualified well that has that's not was a reason a governor. she was a governor of South Carolina I think she was an ambassador to the UN, maybe she has qualifications, but you know, it's always funny to see the presidential candidates that try to find their niche, you know, Nikki Haley, she's a woman. So, you know, Mm. that makes her somehow more qualified than men because she's a woman. No, I just uh, want, I don't want a woman to lead the country. Uh, Women are just more emotionally driven. Um, I want, I want a man that can run the ship, you know? 
I agree. I don't think women are built for leadership on that level. No. Not to say there's never been some, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? There's a Margaret Thatcher out there somewhere, but by and large, men are designed for leadership. That's the way God created them. Uh, yeah. And I think, so, I, you know, it's always kind of sad when you see women that have to step up. And we've seen this a lot in the last couple years and decades where women have had to step up and take the lead because there's so many weak men mm -hmm. um, that are more than comfortable letting a woman well, lead them around. That's what our shouldn't culture be. has has done that to men, though. So what do you expect? We will <laughs> reject it um, here on this show. So um, we do want to end, though, with our sermon recommendations. We have sort of two sermon recommendations here. Let me see if I can get them pulled up. Um, the first one is going to be a really short clip. And I just thought it was a good message. It's from John Piper, but it was uh, his last email from Tim Keller. And in this short clip, he discusses sort of three points that Tim Keller left him with in sort of the last email exchange that he had with him. I thought they were good points. And then in honor of Tim Keller and in honor of something that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, a sermon from Tim Keller on prayer in the Psalms. Uh, you know, that's one of the messages I used to take to the jail with me a lot, that the book of Psalms is a book of prayer. You know, if you don't know how to pray, or even if you're really good at prayer, the Psalms should be where you start and where you end. Um, praying the prayers God gave us. I don't know if there's a better way to mm -hmm. pray than going to the book of Psalms. So a sermon from Tim Keller, a couple of points that he left to John Piper that I think are relevant. So go give those a listen. And... um Otherwise, we will be back Monday, still going through our daily devotionals. We're getting near, well, we probably still have a lot of time left in Luke. We're in Luke chapter 22. <laughs> I'm going to go back through at the end of this and see how many episodes exactly we did in the book of Luke. Well, I think we'll get through fast if you don't do three devotionals on the same verse. We're going deep. No, <laughs> I, uh, I've enjoyed going through Luke um, it's kind of nice because we're getting ready to finish Luke in the church we're at. The pastor just started his sermon series on the book of Luke. Uh, <laughs> so he's going to go back through and probably fix all the mistakes that I made and all the errors that I had, which would be a blessing to me. But uh, yeah, come by and give us a listen on those. Monday through Friday, we have the daily devotionals. They're short, about five minutes. Um, not the most deep theological dive, just our thoughts on what we're reading, what it means to us in that moment, what we're taking away from it. And then we'll be back next Saturday. Um, we'll see what the Lord throws at us in the news and the world. Um, if there's time, we'll try to get to our Bible topic, knowing sin. But otherwise, that's all we got. God bless. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply.